0: Welcome to BFF, where Alex and Dave relive their most memorable experiences involving the perfect trifecta, beer, fly fishing, and food. Now here are your hosts, Alex Ramirez
1: and Dave Schoenzeit. Hey people, welcome to another episode of Beer, Fly Fishing, and Food. I'm your host, Alex Ramirez, and I got my good buddy with me, Dave. What's happening, Dave. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Sound like you're already getting started, Dave. I'm yeah, I'm on number two
2: and yeah, yeah uh, 8.2 ABV. So yeah, it's,
1: it's put your seatbelts on. All right. That's what, I, that's what I want to hear. Well, Dave, I'm excited about this episode because we've gone international, man. Yeah. We, uh, We have a guest all the way from the Yucatan. I'm fired up about this guy.
2: He's worth being fired up about. He I'm, is I'm worth fired. being fired up I'm about, fired dude. Up That's about for him. sure, man. He's one of the biggest so,
1: personalities. Yeah, please welcome Rhett. I think this is a pro- appropriate G string showbird. Welcome to the show, man.
0: <laughs> Yay! Thanks for having me. It's it's nice to be with you guys. I really appreciate this. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm
1: I'm stoked that you're able to make it, and uh, we're able to to work it out. And it's always we're we're still into the whole new phase of this podcast. So. Getting somebody in a different time zone and uh, out of the country, this is a big accomplishment. And we're drinking, so it's pretty good.
0: Yeah, very cool. No, happy to be here. And uh, I've settled myself into, uh, I'm in kind of this middle bedroom up here, and I'm overlooking the Yucatan jungle right now. So it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, Yeah. man. If you see any howler monkeys, just let us know.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I will,
2: <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> sure. or whatever
1: kind of monkeys you got over there, <laughs> something exciting. Yeah, we're probably going to hear
2: some amazing back, you know, li- you know, uh, wildlife in the background. I would think I've been down there, and you know, between the howler monkeys and all the different birds and all their calls and all that shit, it's it's yeah, it's like Wild Kingdom down there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be. Just before we started, I was getting settled in, and there was a mot-mot hanging just outside my window. I don't know. Many people don't know what a motmot is. That's kind of a common name. I don't know the Latin name, but it's uh, it's a beautiful bird that is commonly seen around all the cenotes we have down here. And anybody in the Yucatan kind of has heard the word cenote before. And these are these kind of underground aquifer sinkhole cave systems uh and they they're kind of webbed all underground around us under my home here and these birds like to hang out because they let, they want to be around the fresh water and they're just beautiful turquoise and just a fantastic bird and i get a lot of them around my house that's so cool
1: that's awesome man hopefully we get to hear one killer dude well rhett man this is our virtual happy hour this is probably my favorite part of the podcast is, is drinking. So um, what are you drinking, man? I know you uh, got some cocktails going or some beers. What's happening?
0: Yeah, I, uh, I'm a, I'm a beer guy. Uh, (laughs) Aren't we all? Yeah. um, It's kind of tough down here. Uh, They don't have a lot of breweries, micro brews like you guys have certainly in California. I'm from Colorado. They, Colorado, they're meccas for you know the 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 micro But right. there's some there's some you know stores that have some different brews from around Mexico is starting to do and allowing some micro brews around. There's several down here. Um, they're okay. I'm not a real real big fan of <laughs> of some of them. Um, yeah. I have pretty particular tastes. My 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 daughter lives in Belgium in Brussels, so I get to go there and visit her, and drink, you know, some really oh, great dude. beers. I can oh, I bet man. So this is um, I'm drinking Tacate Red, <laughs> which is kind of dude. my go-to, just kind of beer. There's not there's not too much to say about it, guys. Um. The one other beer that I do like to drink, but uh, it's so so high in sugar, is uh, Bohemia. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. That's another good Mexican beer, man. Yeah. Yeah. How appropriate. Tecate red. Yeah. I know, dude. Tecate red. I mean, everybody's all about the Tecate green. Is that what it is up here? What is the one that they drink? Is that the... You know I, Dave? I, I don't know man. I thought it was just like Tecate or Tecate Light. I don't really Or
0: Tecate Light, that's right. Yeah, man. that's yeah. a blue yeah. can and then the Tecate Red is obviously the red can which
1: the red can. There you go. All right, man. I'm I'm a well, killer dude. Or at least you got a Mexican beer going so I'm, yeah. man, I'm, and, I'm I'm
0: stoked. And I I also poured myself a little shot of uh Dobel Maestro tequila which is um you know, there's there's four to there's four kind of types of tequilas. There used to really only be three. There's the blanco, the reposado, and the añejo. Now, what has come into fashion is this uh, new kind of cristalina. That's kind of a, just a name of one that I think Don Julio does, but or no, Don Julio does setenta, which is Don Julio seventy, and then. I Oh, that's so. Yeah, cool. it's basically a an añejo aged tequila, but they take all the color out. They they filter it so it's clear, like a blanco. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> oh, it usually tastes great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like going down smooth, <laughs> eh, Rhett? No, I gotta I gotta chew in too, so
1: I'm chewing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome, dude. Ah. Well, killer Dave, what are you drinking, man?
2: I'm uh I'm drinking a space dust from Elysian. Uh just, you know, revisiting oh. some earlier earlier you know, I don't know. We've had this before together and I uh I saw it in the six pack at Aldi. I just got turned on to this store called Aldi. It's kind of a cool yeah. it's kinda of weird. Like they 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 brand everything under their own name, but they do have some, you know, some certain cool things in there. Everything there is good. It's just branded differently, but yeah, I got a six pack of it. and So yeah, like zero to 60 here, you know?
1: Yeah, dude. Space Dust is, it's such a great beer. I mean, like I said, we went into it, I think in some depth in episode one or two, but yeah, it's still one that when I see it, it's like, man, I haven't had it in a while or if I see it on tap, I usually get it. It's uh, it's one that'll get you there for sure. Yeah,
2: the citrus and you know, bitterness is—it's a very well balanced beer, and I think it's got a—I don't know. Yeah, I just—I just like it. I just love the way it fits. Fuck, it's just good. I'm not even gonna get it's all nerdy with it. It's just good. I
1: drink it because it's good. <laughs> I like it. It's a little—a
0: o- little observation here, Dave. When you kind of started into this conversation talking about the beer you're drinking, you kind of have this sexy tone in your voice you're starting to make love to that thing you know what what are you doing to that beer dude
1: i know man i thought you might have been stoned a little bit dave but maybe you're just excited about the beer (laughs) i I don't know i I, I had a feeling that this
2: might get weird but i didn't think it was gonna get weird this
1: early on that's all right dude let it get weird man that's what it's all about yeah
2: absolutely what about you alex what are you drinking
1: Dude, I revisited a beer that I haven't had in a while. Uh, kind of went outside of California on this one to Bend, Oregon with the Deschutes mm. Fresh Squeeze IPA. Mm. Oh, yeah, Deschutes. yeah, yeah. It Fresh is Squeeze. so good. It's so refreshing. Um, this is a little bit higher on the IBUs, 60. Well, I mean, not that high, but when you sit, you know, drinking a lot of 45s and 50s. Right. So the 60 definitely get the bitterness of it. And I just like that kind of grapefruity taste because i love grapefruit so it's got that I, to me it's got that bitterness of a grapefruit yeah in it but yeah it, it's good six six point four on the uh, alcohol but it's all good man yeah i think they reworked think it
2: that is. but they actually changed I, I could be wrong but i think the shoots actually changed the recipe i had i had fresh squeeze the first time oh. and yeah no i had it in big Sur with summer when we were on a road trip and then um the next time i had it it was just different it drank different it tasted different it looked different um I, I could be totally wrong, but I thought I remembered someone telling me that they had changed that beer up a little bit, but I don't know.
1: Just a little side note. No, it's a killer. That's a good side note, dude. Actually, this they make my best, my favorite Porter, which is a Black bead Porter. Yeah, I've but had that this industry. and their IPA, dude, it's super good. It's like, it's it's been warm up here in Northern California. So, like, we've gotten into the mid 70s today. So now, you know, more of these uh, refreshing beers are appropriate. So, super good. Very nice. It, yeah, man.
0: It's, so it's cheers. super cool. Cheers, cheers, yes. Sorry, yeah. Cheers. cheers. Yeah. It's cheers. Really Virtual how cheers. How the how the beer culture has progressed and matured with all the you know obviously I, it, it happened naturally, but you know when I was I'm a little bit older than you guys probably not that much but you know nobody ever sat around and talked about you know the aroma flavor you know we were drinking <laughs> right. miller and or whatever and pap right and, and it was just beer but now it's a it means so much it, it, there's so many things to be had having all these different beers and it's i i think it's just super cool it's it's something i miss and i don't get enough of yeah. that here yeah you
1: know that's what's crazy too it's like you said yeah i mean uh i mean we're all similar, close to the same age. But, like, even when I was first drinking, it was a lot of Coors Lights. You know, Coors Light like, goes with everything. You just drink Coors Light, like, you know, it's water. And then start getting into these beers, and now they're pairing beers with food. And it's like, you know, it brings up these, it's like wine, you know, and you have all these different flavors and aromas, like you said. I, I've been, I'm all over it, man. I think it's, it's super cool. It definitely gives you something to talk about, and um, it just enhances the overall experience, your palate i mean it's it's good it's uh it's refreshing to have a beer that tastes different than the last beer you had you know (laughs) yeah yeah no it's it's definitely crafty
2: so 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 rhett let's jump into it here sure um grew up in vale colorado yeah uh you know i mean colorado as a state overall is known for a lot of things um great food like fuck when i think colorado i think like green chili uh rocky mountain oysters (laughs) but dude (laughs) so like colorado has this pizza which you know chicago got its deep dish new york's got its thin crust colorado you guys have a fucking mountain pie it's called a mountain pie do you know about this
0: mountain pie did they do that at pazos pizza and where is it from pazos is the name of the place or Or is that fuck? I don't know, man.
2: I'm not from Colorado. I'm asking you. (laughs) I don't know where it originated. But the thing is, I think what it was, was they just took it and they maxed it out like a a mountain pie is no, it's definitely a pizza. But I I think the whole gimmick is like, it's got this big, gigantic crust and dude, it weighs like 15 or 20 pounds. And there's just tons of garbage all over it. And it's like the greatest pizza ever.
0: Wow, you know, I I I've, I've heard something about this, but I got to be honest with you guys. I I left Colorado the year <laughs> after I graduated college. So I left Colorado and went to Japan in 1989. And wow, dude, that's unreal. I had a career in Japan for 10 years, went back to Colorado briefly. And then I moved down to Mexico. So I've almost lived half of my life outside of the United States and Colorado. So Right, right, you know, right. I kind of figured it might have been
2: something that maybe caught on kinda of after you. Because I, I, I do know that, you know, you were only in Colorado so so long. And sometimes this this stuff just kind of kept, you know. You know, it, it, it it's all it's all very time sensitive. You know, sure. how these things kind of catch on, and these trends kind of establish and whatever. So I figured I would just ask you about it. Yeah, I've seen it on a couple food shows. Well,
0: I know I'll plug a a great place. Uh, uh, one of uh, a friend that I've met, I actually guided him onto his first uh, saltwater fish down here a few years back. He uh, really nice kid, grew up in Denver, but he works at a place called Pazzo's Pizza in in vale and they have a couple locations and it's just a great pizza joint with you know great atmosphere and wonderful you know just uh, you know there's there's a lot of cool mountain towns in colorado and all of them have you know probably a pretty cool pizza joint and it's 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 neat that that the ski culture the mountain culture of colorado is just amazing i guess right biggest observation about having been there over the last couple years mostly just to visit my brother and have a have a kind of a summer holiday with my daughter is that place is overrun uh with me right and you know the green rush has has created a situation in colorado that's just like oh my where did everybody come from
2: right it's been a hot new place like it's kind of like Austin was you know six or seven or eight years ago I feel like you know it's just uh I can't I, I can't even count how many people I've heard talking about moving to Colorado or actually have moved to Colorado or it's just you know yeah it's definitely it's definitely that state right now I feel like
0: right well in the in the in the fly fishing opportunities in central Colorado are just amazing whether you're in Vail and you have the Gore Creek and the Eagle river, which flows down into the Colorado or near Glenwood Springs and Aspen, you know, you have the roaring fork. There's just so many great fishing places. It's, it's phenomenal fishing too. And you know, yeah, I've, I've guided and gone and fishing in a lot of places in this world and everybody who I meet who doesn't, maybe live in colorado or the united states their dream is to go to colorado and and wyoming and montana that kind of free state strip and go fishing i mean they're just like oh man one day i'm gonna go to colorado and go fishing and i don't blame them it's it's fantastic that's very cool it is yeah, dude, I dig Colorado, man. I've
1: been there a few times and, and got to fish with a good buddy of mine, Travis, who grew up there. Um, I mean, so much water. I mean, just remember, like, we were driving to the South Platte, and it was like, oh, yeah, here's a little creek here, and take the three weights out and catch some brook trout. or Oh, hey, there, here's another pond on the side of the road, and, you know, brook trout rising, you know, for dry flies. Like, dude, like, we fished our way you know to uh i think we were headed towards yeah. deckers and or we went to fish the dream right. stream portion of it i mean it was just yeah it was there's so much water so much to do yeah it's awesome
0: it, dude it is uh i i was so fortunate i grew up on the gore creek which is a, a gold medal trout stream i mean back then there weren't those classifications they hadn't really you know done that much to say hey this is catch and release or whatever but I, used right. to, mm-hmm. I was fly fishing in the area, mostly because my father just taught me. He was a mountain climber, and, you know, he we we would go hiking and camping. And when we did, he taught me how to fly fish to catch fish to eat. And, that's, and then that's awesome. that just transpired into this, you know, huge passion of mine. And I could go out my back door and catch you know 16 17 18 sometimes 20 inch rainbows and there was nobody <laughs> remember those days
2: jesus uh, you gotta put a Jeez. lot of legwork in for that now but yeah yeah it was a lot more obtainable i think back you know back then so so ret was that a trend was there ever a, a spin fish to tra- to fly fish transition or did you just pick up the fly rod initially
0: Initially, I actually have a photo that my father took of me catching my first trout on a fly rod. I was about four, four and a half. So it was was on one of those old yellow, burnt yellow Fenwick combo sets with an old, I don't know what the reel was, some old green reel that he had. (laughs) And I just loved it. And of course, I've thrown a spinning rod, but I really, really love the fly fishing aspect of it. And a couple of years later, my parents had sent me off to like a summer camp where they had in Colorado where, you know, you learn fish and they had horseback riding and spelunking and rafting and all those things. And they had a lapidary studio where you could polish rocks. Uh, cut rocks that you found and make, make whatever, you know, pendants and things like that. And there was this really nice uh, camp counselor who set up a fly tying desk in the lapidary room. And he taught me how to uh, tie flies that summer. And I still have the first fly that I tied. It was just some, yellow hackle uh around the body and uh, and a purple hackle for a collar and i mean it looked like hell but i i still have it.
1: That's
2: so cool. Dude that <laughs> is yeah, <that's> amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. That's awesome, man. It was a monumental piece of your fly fly like fly fishing
0: life. Yeah. Right there. And I remember it so clearly and and Uh, we kind of touched on this the other day, Dave, that, that, you know, this passion that we all share um, fly fishing is just, uh, it's an avenue of the most wonderful memories. It's an avenue to getting to know people. I've never met you guys personally, uh, but it's like we're brothers and uh, there's, that's yep. something that touches me hugely, and uh, the people I've met, the places I've gone. We all know this. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, but it 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 just it amazes me uh, every day. The memories that pop up in my mind of of things that happened to me because of fly fishing. So there you go. Is this all? Are we done? Yeah, and I and <laughs> I.
1: no but i like you know exactly what you said you know like so we haven't physically met each other but you know we definitely have this connection and and it is you know the fly fishing side of things and it's like a secret society or a fraternity it's like you meet somebody else that fly fishes even when you're on the river or you're you know fishing the surf like we would do down in san diego and there'd be a lot of spin guys but if you saw a fly guy it's something different you know then you go up to the fly guy and it's like you guys are speaking your own special language and and there's an automatic connection and I mean I've met people on the beach that I'm still friends with now because of that fly fishing connection and I'm um, not saying that that can't happen in conventional fishing, but I feel like you said it's more of a you know quote unquote secret society type feeling fraternity type feeling you know with the fly guys. you just have this bond that you know people understand and get and yeah, you know, just you can go anywhere and you, you find somebody doing the same thing, you're like, Oh hey man, you know, yeah. what's happening?
2: Yeah, it's it's for sure like it's super esoteric, you know, it's 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 a tie that binds and it is amazing the the relationships that can be forged over a, a really short amount of time with people just because there is that kind of you know, that shared perspective. Um it never yeah, it never ceases to amaze me. That's that that's for sure. So so Rhett growing up in vale cutting your teeth on some trout streams you know starting you know starting starting fly fishing really early on and kind of you know obtaining that perspective on on pursuing fish in that fashion um then you get down you go to mexico so wait it was japan it was japan for a 10 year 10 year stint and then
0: mexico well yeah if i could supersede all that with an experience that really changed my life. And that was going to college in Florida. I I uh, ski raced for quite a few years, which is pretty common growing up in Vale. but I got too tall and lanky. And at about 14 or 15, you know, I was just a, a, nothing but a bunch of flailing appendages. I was 6'2". 6'2", <laughs> two, I weighed 135 pounds. And you know, I was skiing training gates. And you know, if if you've skied a little bit and have ever have ever raced, you know, they you you when they carve around the gates, you basically get this deep cut around the gate from everybody taking the same line. And if you don't have the the weight and and the proper technique, you're just going to chatter off of that line while I I was done. So I started playing a bunch of soccer and I played soccer for a a lot of my life. And I got pretty good at that. Got a scholarship to go to Eckerd college in St. Petersburg, Florida. So, and uh, unbeknownst to me, Guess where Lefty Cray hung out with for a lot of his life?
2: <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, wow, that's uncanny.
0: Yeah, he was yeah. the sports editor of the St. Petersburg Times. Well, I show up wow. in, at Eckerd, I brought my fly rod, and what I brought down, I had an old Sage Discovery five weight with a <laughs> <Dude>. fly weight. <laughs> Trout wheel, you know, a click-and-paw trout wheel. That's yeah. all I had. You're a little undergunned, I guess. Yeah. In Florida. Uh, I, I was fucked. <laughs> I was fucked. But uh, yeah. I, uh, what happened was I started, you know, I was missing the trout fishing big time, and I really you know, college took up a lot of my time. And and once I kind of settled in, I really wanted to figure out, you know, to do some fishing down there. And the uh, Eckerd College where I went had a little waterfront program where you could rent sailboats and and canoes and kayaks. And I would rent a canoe and go out and try to figure it out. And I figured a few things out. But, you know, saltwater fishing, I mean, we could all go to a a trout stream yeah. anywhere on this planet pretty much and be able to figure it out relatively quickly for obvious reasons. But yeah, yeah, that's very, that's yeah. Very true. Saltwater fly fishing. is just a whole another element. The, the, the variables that, that happen, that influence where the fish are and where they want to be and all that stuff are just, oh, they're, they're a myriad of, 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 of things to consider. So I started feeling around a little bit and I ended up hooking up with a couple old buddies of Lefty Craze. I cannot to this day remember the one guy. He invented the glass minnow and he's, he's long oh. dead now. I mean, this is an 80. 80- Oh, this is probably in '85, 1985, and I ended up going over to his house, and uh, he showed me how to tie a glass minnow you using mono filament, wrapping it back from the eye, and then sliding it under the wraps to to turn it into your tip, uh, into your bite tippet. Oh wow! And, and yeah, that's and using uh, uh, we would wrap the hook with tin foil, wrap the mono back from the eye to to the sh- the end of the shank, and then put the mono again underneath, and leave about a foot left uh, through the eye of the hook, and then you just uh, uh you know tie onto that. And he showed me that and showed me a couple other things and then would take me out on his boat. If I brought beer and some gas money. (laughs) So
1: that's the way to do it. That's That's kind
0: of really how I started saltwater fly fishing. And from then on, I, uh, uh, did some fishing. I caught my first tarpon in Florida on my own. Um, Went back, graduated, went back to Vail. It was still uh, fly fishing in the summers when I went back. Then went to Japan, had a really interesting fly fishing experience in Japan. And whether it. Dude, you got it. Well, I can.
1: Um, Like I. (laughs) Well, were you um trout fishing?
0: Was it those, like, crazy? Yamame? Yamame, amago, a um, a couple of Japanese char. Uh, I ended up befriending this really cool guy who who built a little coffee shop on this little mountain stream next to this mountain stream that was a pay-to-play situation. You'd go up there for the day and it cost you 40 bucks and you got a a beat, kind of like they do in England. And um, we became friends so I could go up there. I mean, the fish were small, but they were absolutely gorgeous. But what I really got into was fishing for American largemouth black bass are everywhere. Really? Yeah. Oh and, my gosh, That's thought I never Yeah, that. and nobody <laughs> really realizes that. And that happened uh, with the occupational forces, the U.S. occupational forces after World War II, where all those Bubba, you know, generals and whatever, they actually brought over black um, largemouth black bass and stocked them in certain areas around, so they could go fishing. Uh-oh. That's a good. That's awesome. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: I didn't know they're yeah. bass fishing in Japan. Yeah. Dude. Who knew? They... <laughs> I think there's
2: some. I think there's some badass Japanese guys like on the professional oh, circuit. Are. I don't really know, but I yeah, there's some like bad. I, I feel like Japanese people, everything they do is just they're just next level at. I, they're kind of like the uh, what is it the <laughs> what is the country? Uh, why am I drawing a blank right now? The country that just produces all the amazing extreme sp- sports athletes. I don't know. Why am I Brazil.
1: I don't even know. Where Brazil? You're Brazil. Everybody like
2: I don't know. All the amazing like <laughs> surfers, skateboarders. I don't know. Yuto Yuto Horigomi. He's like the most amazing skateboarder. He has the best style. He's like this little Japanese. I just feel like everything they do is kinda next level. So that yeah. makes sense. Well and cool. they you
0: know, they're just they're very uh, regimented uh, people. And, you know, oh, that's they, a- they really are. And they, whatever they do, they do it seriously. They do it every day. Um, and whether it's, it's, you know, their own cultural things like, uh, you know, studying uh, martial arts. And everybody does that in Japan. Every Japanese person that I've ever met. typically has some kind of Japanese art study, you know, whether it's Ikebana, which is the study of flower arrangement. That's typically women do that, but it's just an example or mask making or painting or the martial arts. Uh, I got a black belt in Kendo when I was there. So, and they all just love it and they do it. And, when it came to fly fishing, I met some fly fishermen over there. I was involved in the Japanese Fly Fishing Association, Japanese Federation of Fly Fishers, JFF. And I met some fly tires that were just blowing me away with the stuff that they were tying. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, dude, I can only imagine. What was
2: the martial art That's you crazy. said? So you, were, you, you have a Kendo. Also, what was that?
0: You know, remember that one um, um, James Bond film where they're in that glass shop in Italy and he's got that kind of helmet on with those wings that come off your sho- his shoulders and you got this bamboo sword called the shinai. and you, it's kind of the yeah. more contact sport of sword fighting versus Iaido, which is the sword drawing. You draw the sword and you cut. But this is more yeah. combat with a bamboo sword and you're wearing all the protective equipment. Dude, that
1: sounds. Is that like, you know, handle or is it like on both ends? You know, yeah. you got both hands on it. So, like, you know, you hit somebody in the face and then oh, get him yeah. in the nuts oh, right yeah. after one of those kind of <laughs> fucking deals. Oh, boom, boom. <laughs> Dude, that sounds bad. Yeah. I mean, that's why wow. you fucking... You, <laughs> you awesome. wear a thong on the beach and nobody fits with you. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, I, dude, I had fucking, no idea. I'm learning. Have, I feel yeah. enlightened.
2: I'm learning so much shit right now. All these, all this terminology, all this crazy... Like, that's that's awesome, man. That's really interesting, well, actually. It's,
0: it's fascinating. I've had some really crazy, wild dude. experiences in my life. And... Dude, okay. On that
2: note, Brett. So I'm, I I don't know, that fucking audio is probably super loud. I just clapped my hand right next to my microphone. Um, but I was going to say, <laughs> Rhett, when you did go to Mexico, which I believe was on some kind of uh college scholarship yes, or something like that.
0: Yes, that was in college. Um, go ahead, finish your question.
2: So what I was going to get into was, you know, going down to the Yucatan. So what year is that? when you went down to the Yucatan initially on that That was
0: 87, I think. Yeah. Oh, man.
2: 87. Okay, so 87, crazy time. Like, how old was I in 87? 78. I was nine years old, but I, I remember watching MTV, and like all the crazy spring break <laughs> shit would be going on down there. Like, that part, like, all the kids were going to Cancun. So, you're in college, and you're down in that You know specific geographic part of the world it's crazy i mean was it ever like that movie there was a movie called the real cancun it was done in like the early 2000 where everybody's just like fucking hooking up and it's just like a 24 7 orgy did you get i won't tell your girlfriend like did you get any (laughs) of that what was the what was the dynamic (laughs) wow
0: you know during that time this is kind of sad but true I was so into studying the Mayan Indians and doing the archaeology and doing the, it was a general Mayan area study. The only thing I did, we had a, we had a, a kind of a long weekend break and there was some other students. I stayed down for two semesters. There was another some other students that came from the same university that I college that I went to. And then we entertain other groups from other universities. We had a, a long weekend and we took the bus from where we were. We were in more of the interior in the state of Yucatan. We took the bus to Playa del Carmen and it was two streets. It was just a little, a little village that kind of serviced the ferry to go to Cozumel we took the ferry to Cozumel. We got off the ferry, and right there was a Carlos and Charlie's. So we get off the ferry. We go to Carlos and Charlie's, and they had these giant margaritas. They were huge. They, they I think they cost like four bucks. Probably had, you know, four to five to six shots in them. And it's like a huge fishbowl, yeah. and – that's the last I remember. See, that's what I wanted to get. I knew you
2: had a story oh. like
0: this. You just oh, had yeah. Story. And um, the, what I heard the next day, um, I ended up sobering up a little bit because I was taken out of there by my friends because I started taking my clothes off. And... Yeah. Imagine that. And, uh, I wasn't thonging back then. I hadn't seen the light yet. But, yeah, I uh, was taken gotcha. out of there, sobered up a bit, and then we went to some discotheque, which spun me out even more, and I ended up in front of wow. some people having a dinner in front of their bay window. I ralphed in a potted plant right where they were having dinner that was ugly that was ugly but that's amazing oh that's my amazing. god
2: i have a thong story i want to share before they don't let me forget Rhett. it's just for you it, you totally just yeah is so. how that happens continue sorry <laughs> yeah it is amazing yeah I mean, that's the best thing about drinking and having this kind of forum with three people talking is like i, I remember things just throughout the course of conversation that i haven't thought about and you know, maybe better than 10 years, but, but yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. So, but
0: most of the time I was very into what I was doing. I was living in a small little town called Isamal with my professor. She had a hacienda there and we were going to unexplored cenotes and finding full pieces of pottery and jade earplugs and, oh, 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 my yes, God, wow. and going to the ruins, and I've even been inside. They've closed this long ago, but the Chichen Itza ruins, you can go under the main staircase, up an interior staircase to this kind of altar room with a Jaguar uh, altar inside of it, and it, it was unbelievable. Oh, my God. <sighs> it was
1: dude that sounds crazy that's so cool that's awesome you nerd out on it oh my god!
2: like i mean that just what an amazing you know thing for you to be able to embrace like that's that's super cool besides fly fishing you know just to be able to really appreciate something on that level and then to be able to go down and partake you know in the actual that excavation and that you know all that, that that that's just i don't know man you've checked a lot of boxes in life and uh that's why you're well, a fascinating
0: human being.
1: It's, uh... <laughs> you know, I'm a very
0: fortunate person uh, for, sure. for a lot of reasons. And, and uh, it's it's nice to share it with guys like yourself and anybody. I'm an open book. And I think, Dave, you mentioned the other day when we had a, uh, you know, kind of a pre-chat about this. Uh, we're going to come down here and you asked me about where to go and what to do. And, you know, it's, it's – it's, totally. uh, remember have you ever heard the album get small by uh by uh steve martin No, uh, man no, you I guys haven't. suck sorry hold on I'll google google, google steve martin google on youtube grandmother's song
2: Okay, I'm 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 writing it down. Right? Well, it's
0: now, just a song that Steve Martin sings, and yeah. he starts out: be courteous, kind, and forgiving. uh Have a nice thing to say. uh criticize things you don't know about and stick a live chicken in your underwear. It just goes on and on, but it's a really, <laughs> to me, it said a lot. It said, be courteous, kind and forgiving, but be a little crazy at the same time. And I've always kept that yeah. courteous, kind and forgiving motto to myself. And that's how I live my life, you know? And, and it's, it's, uh, it's brought me a lot of really cool places. It, it's brought me together with some really cool people, and you guys uh, certainly are two more of those. And I'm very fortunate, dude.
2: Rhett, you are the man. You're just it, it, you're such yeah, a happy, dude, jovial, animated well, dude. Um, it, you're the kind of person that you you know you just meet and you're like you feel like you've known them your whole life, and they've just you know you're just like a caricature of of like of a it's just it's really cool man it's super refreshing um and it's cool so after moving down to mexico uh you kind of had this introduction to a lot of those species you know snook and and bonefish and you know permit um from your stint i guess in florida where you kind of were first exposed to you know chasing those those right. species on the fly so you get down you get down to the yucatan and at one point, did you really realize, like, oh, my God, like, this is just the water is teeming with life down here. Like, I, I'm so fortunate. I have well, to- that
0: was in college. On There were a couple weekends, well, a few weekends where I got away. I took the bus to the, the, the Riviera Maya is what they call it. Basically, from Cancun to right. Tulum is called the Riviera Maya. And I would take the bus on the weekends mm-hmm. and I would just walk these different sections every weekend and, and finish one section and start again the next weekend. I almost walked all the beaches and fishable areas from Cancun all the way to Punta Allen. And back then a lot of the all inclusive hotels were not built. I mean, there was most of it was just stuck in Cancun, and there were only a few back then. And you know, when I, I landed actually in Akumal and spent in two different occasions, spent the night in my hammock strapped between two, you know, coconut palms. And I would do that on occasion. It's usually just spend one night. I didn't have a lot of money and find a place that had a little bar or food. And there were a couple areas like Puerto Morelos, Playa del Carmen, uh, Acamal, Tulum, and wow. wake up in the morning and go fishing. I've caught bonefish, huge bonefish, right in the Bay of Acamal. You can't do that now because of – the tourism, I mean, you know, the packed with people and right. they don't want you to fly fish there. they would and the, there's other elements to that, but that was just like, wow, this is cool. And I had already fallen in love with the Yucatan just because of the people and just the history of it. but that that was even a bigger draw to me, and I knew I had to come back here and that's what I eventually did.
1: That's so cool, man. Dude, that's killer. Yeah. That is so awesome, man. So, the, yeah, so, with a- your,
2: so with your – so, with uh, your – so, then you decide, okay, like, this is – so, at that point, you were just like, this is it for me? Like, I'm not going to leave? Like, I want to set up down – Well,
0: to- no, I – that was uh, – I went – then I went – I graduated university, went to Japan – finished up in Japan, went to back to Colorado for a few years, started a kind of a bed and breakfast out of my family's house. My, my mother had moved down to the Yucatan, um, it, kind of a joint decision to get her out of altitude in Colorado. So she had already moved down here to Acomal and we invested mm. in some property and, So I was coming back to uh, the Yucatan quite often when I was living in Japan on my summer holidays to come here and hang out and fish. So, and then when I moved back to Vail, I would do the same thing. Um, I also got more heavily into fly fishing and guiding. I, I managed a fly shop for several years Um, and guided heavily heavily both way guiding and float guiding and uh, it became I don't know it was uh, the Yucatan was calling to me and I decided uh, to move down here permanently my mother was here Um, it, it made it easy for me to do that I had a job offer well I had a Somebody suggested I come down here and start managing uh, properties, which I eventually did after moving down here, and um, when I did move down here, I uh, I uh, started, I didn't work for a while. I started a wine company down here selling wines uh, online to people renting villas and condos, which went very well, Ooh. but in the time i fished a lot and yeah dude, it was
2: great It's awesome i mean there's no way, better way to spend time dude than
1: yeah are you kidding me oh my god! so
2: wow a bunch of shit happened between so yeah okay wow you were like in between countries i thought at that point you were just like oh this is for me and i'm gonna stay here <laughs> yeah that's what i know it's not dude yeah that's, that's that that's so, so we were talking a little bit about your personality. Well, now that you, I know that you manage those villas in Akamal. That, that's kind of the primary objective. But then you do these guide trips. You know, not really on the side, but it's also not like a full time thing yeah. for you. Um, how does your how does your how does your personality kind of carry over to your whole guiding <laughs> philosophy? Like, you know, you're, you're you know, what's your? I mean, a lot of guides are you know very. I, I mean it runs the gamut i mean we're all waves in the ocean and and
0: fly fishing guides are no different so so what's your take well, on well my taking a big on guiding is to share uh sharing what i know uh and how how to do it and uh, not so much you know i'm not Really, in my guiding career, fishing career, I'm not the guy that you come to to teach you how to cast. Although I'm good at it, I feel, and I can certainly do that. But I'm very um, finicky, picky about the people that I guide. Uh, It's uh, guys that I typically take out are industry people, or guides themselves or they've come to the Yucatan multiple times and they're they're they've been permit crazy for the last 10 years. They've got their permit, they've they've come down but they want something a little yeah. different. So and that's what I I do. I show them a little bit of a different perspective of the fishing down in the permit capital and that is going for big beach snook. And big uh, Jack Crevel uh, in the surf, and so sharing all that is a big part of my, you know, pleasure. But having a great time doing it, joking around. Um, I, yeah, I guide in my thong on a on a, you know, every chance I get. <laughs> um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, you to, like,
1: so we got to touch on that dude so you got to tell us like where is it just it's just freeing yeah dude how the fuck like
0: it's a what it what it what what's, you gotta yeah, let, how did that even you yeah gotta, you gotta let it's, us know dude. it's a good time and and it's it's my stick it's it's we talked on this a couple days ago in, 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 gotcha. in the lead up to this. You know, I, in my opinion, every good guide has some kind of shtick. Whether they know it or not or label it as such, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, but my shtick is I use the I guide in the thong as an icebreaker. And it's really one word. You know, you can't say, I, I guide in my waiters. Nobody's going to give a shit. <laughs> you know, I, I guide in my Sims gear. Who the fuck cares about that? You say, I guide yeah. in my thong, and, yeah. you know, that says something. <laughs> that definitely does. It
1: does, man. I'm, we're going to have to uh, talk to some of the <laughs> manufacturers I work with and get you. Hey, man. There, man. A fly fishing thong. Like (laughs) some fish pond, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Reddington thong. That'd be incredible. (laughs) That's hilarious, dude. That's awesome, man. So dude, so this is um like everything about your guiding and you know, taking the people out and and, you know, just the the beach fishing alone, chasing permit, chasing snook. I mean, I I can't wait to, to do that. I've got a little taste of some beach fishing down in that area. Tell them about it. uh,
2: That was like, that was epic.
1: That was killer. So Dave and I, uh, we went with our wives and we were just north of Mall at one of the all inclusive resorts. And Dave was like, Oh, we got to hit, you know, these beaches because Dave has been there before. So we would wake up early in the morning before the sun would come up, come up, you would radio in, a golf cart to pick you up' because the resort is huge, so the resort <laughs> golf cart would come grab Dave and then pick me up. We got our rods rigged up, ready to go right, and take us to the main beach area, but this is before everybody's there, so we'd be able to basically watch the sun come up, fish a lot of blind casting, but uh we did get into some nice jacks um I would say i don't know yeah, maybe fifteen, nice. pound 15 fish, eighteen pounds sure that one used to. but you know, into the backing, just killer fights on seven and eight weights. And, uh, I mean, it was awesome when we caught some juvenile permit and we cut some bonefish and, you know, all these other crazy species down there. That flat bottom fish or whatever it's called looks like an iron. Um, I don't even know. You know what that is, Rhett? It's yes. like, it's uh, a boxfish. I think it's called a boxfish. That's a, that's a cow. Flat I think That's belly, a cowfish. It looks like, like an iron.
2: Yeah. A cowfish. Yeah.
0: Kind of yeah. triangular oh, with the little fin. Thin... That yeah. yeah. That's, well, it. yeah,
2: exactly. A fluttering yeah, fish. He looks exactly like a puffer it, fish. Or, or something kind of weird.
1: Yeah. That's what we thought it was at the beginning. But oh my gosh, dude. What? I mean, like you said, it's so teeming with life down there and, and everything you could possibly imagine. But uh, what I wanted to, to know, because when we go down there and we will and fish with you, Maybe we should all wear thongs. I'll dude. wear a that fucking would be thong funny. in a second. Like, I got no hangups with it. <laughs> I know. I've seen you in your uh, yellow oh. banana slug sweat, so I know you yeah. wear fucking thong. <laughs> banana slug. <laughs> yeah, those are those are, those are anyway. Anyway, but dude, so like, paint a picture for me, Rat. Like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna meet on the beach. Actually, I'm, I'm more curious about the food. Like, we're going to fish hard all morning long. We're going to have a killer day. We're catching snook. We're catching, you know, some killer species. Well, like, where are you going to take me, dude? Yeah, where, well, where here's, here's what, another what, thing yeah. about
0: guiding that, that I like to integrate. When I take people out, I always have great food. Great food. Because you, elaborate. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's yeah, a saying. lot of, yeah. uh, I know a favorite. lot of stories. You go out, fishing's, catching's tough. Maybe even fishing isn't so great, you know, depending on the guide you're with yeah. and the situation. And, you know, and I, I hate to say it, I don't want to dish on the, the lodges or the guides down here, but a lot of them don't really give you very good food. And, you know, right, you've am. had a tough day time to stop for lunch stop for lunch and they pull out some white bread with some you know really crappy processed pink slime yeah. ham and a, a slice of flaming orange <laughs> cheese and it's like wow <laughs> yeah in mexico well,
1: that will never fly it happens I would, I would, a lot and mean- i've
0: I have a lot of guide friends down here, and I've told them Uh, numerous times. I'm like, don't do that. So I make very nice homemade – I make sandwiches, but with really nice, you know, black forest ham and and
2: mustard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, good pickles. I bring bring (laughs) German pickles. I always bring beer. I have good fruit, fresh fruit, and and, and just – you sit down and have a really nice lunch, you know, and it's like, yeah. But after, yeah, after is. we slam, I I I typically will take my clients before we get back. It depends, you know. A lot of my clients are staying at the the resort with, and their family's waiting on them, and they want to get back. But if not, I'll take them to a great restaurant in Tulum called Mateos. And it's not, you know, Tulum is a lot of foo-foo, especially now, you know, Tulum is kind of turned into the millennial Instagram fashionista playground, which is fine. Um, but the price point at a lot of those places is ridiculous and it's like, really? So I go to a place, it's not on the beach, it's, it's driving out of Tulum, uh, and uh, it's on the beach road, but it's on the jungle side, and it's called Mateo's. And it's just this cool place. They have a great menu. You can get really good burritos there. You can get one of their specialties is a, a, a Mayan oh. grilled octopus, which is just ridiculous. Oh, and, shit. and, you know, they got. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Great burgers and their Arachera. Do you know what Arachera (laughs) is? Yeah. Yeah, That's like the blackly marinated flank steak. Delicious. It's Argentinian. The roots of Arachera are from Argentina. And it's wrapped in a burrito with beans and rice. Mm. And it's fucking ridiculous. It's so good. And yeah we stop there and have a couple beers and tequila and some everybody usually orders something different we all just kind of sample and it's just it's just such a nice place to to go after a, a day of fishing because usually we're down there by six thirty seven. we have maybe lunch at ten 11, we're out of there by two or three and it's nice to get a little bit more food, uh, you know, driving out, and it's so funny the reaction we get in because I, I use a lot of zinc on my face uh for obvious reasons, and I walk up there, dude, a thong, yeah, and a I bunch know. of like, the, <laughs> like, holy the shit, thong. that is the
1: most uh, tremendous visual. <laughs> I hope you're wearing a visor. You have to be wearing
0: a visor, too. The fucking, I hope you got a visor on. A uh, white <laughs> ghost <best>. from hell. <laughs> I mean, it's just they're laughing, and I don't give a shit. Dude, how many thongs do you – awesome. oh, I know you
2: got the Duke, but, I mean, how many no. thongs? Like, how many it's thongs numerous and numerous.
0: Oh, oh, oh. And I is get really, gifted the really craziest can... thongs, so – uh little side note uh one of my uh villa owners we manage his his home down here and his one of his family members uh who lives in british columbia she's uh, originally texan but she lives in bc canada she uh they have a big farm they do cattle and she raises alpacas so and I had never met this woman before, and I used that thong joke not only in my guiding life, but in, you know, all over the place. It's just this very... Uh, it, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's natural so, ice water. I, I I'm, I'm <laughs> We're talking about the thong, and the very next day I'm invited over for cocktail hour, and I get presented a fresh... Freshly knitted alpaca thong.
2: Holy oh, shit,
0: dude! That's like gold amazing. to you.
2: Yeah, I dude. mean, fuck. If I got that, I'd just mail it to you. But like to you, that well, that's it was. It was very funny.
0: Uh, the presentation ceremony <laughs> was glorious, uh, and I came home with my girlfriend and decided to try it on across the room. And she's looking at me. She's like, What the fuck is that? I'm like, yeah. She was there for the thong, but she's like, What is that? Well, the thong was about eight sizes too small, <laughs> and my junk was just all over the place. I know. Dude, that's I- not a bad sighting night. Yeah, all about the thong.
1: That's <laughs> 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 That's phenomenal. That's a phenomenal. That's score. hilarious, dude. No, oh my god, the duke. That's not the duke, though, right? Is it that one, the duke? No, that was just the al- the dude, alpaca. Should we, should we even oh, talk about special.
2: the duke? I, I well, don't know if we should. I, I it's I don't it's, it's know. kind of up and coming, and I don't want to. I don't know. I don't want to do too much foreshadowing. <laughs> the duke, you got the duke
0: will be that. revealed yeah. in its glory. Yeah, officially uh, sometime soon. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit of a background. I was presented with the Duke, which is a a, a rabbit fur thong slash dock trap. It's a fucking rabbit fur thong. Yeah. like that. And that's a real it thing? was presented <laughs> to me by the mother of one of my best friends from growing up, as as a joke, obviously. And and cool. a few that's years cool. back. Russell Schnitzer, have you ever heard of Russell? Great guy. He he works quite a bit with National Geographic. He does um, he does photo- He he's, he does a lot of photography, professional stuff. But he's kind of switched over into the fly fishing. He published a few photos that he took of me in the Drake magazine, probably a year ago. Um, the Drake. What's it called? The Drake? Yeah. No, I'm just,
2: right. just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know what the Drake is. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. A huge. That's an honor. That's super honorary to have a... Dude, I saw you. You know what? Sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but you continue with your story. Okay, I so he come come, He
0: comes down, he contacts me, and he's like, Dude, I want to come down there and meet you and, and do a little photo session with you. So... Um, I comped him in one of my villas. I, I, I get comp time and, and, uh, he took some nice photos of the villa, obviously. And, and he's like, I want to take me fishing. I want to do a little photo shoot. So we go down to Boca Paila and, uh, we had a two day shoot and the first day was just beautiful blue blue bluebird sky, but the, the river, the, the cut at Boca Paila was, was was in really good shape the there was uh, it had rained a fair amount that time he came down in october if i remember which is jack jack season and the bank in front of the cut was set up perfectly and we went out there and of course he had gazillion dollars with the awesome camera equipment one of those dome dome cases that can shoot you know the half under half above and we just started slaying yeah. Big Jackson Clearwater and he just got some amazing photos. And it was just an amazing day. Awesome. And I had I invited an old friend That's of mine awesome. from Colorado, one of the original ski patrol in Colorado. He actually lives down here now. A good friend of my father's and uh, Joel and got some good photos of him catching a few bone fish. It was just one of those great days. And then the next day, just just Russell and I go down there, and it's an absolute gale blowout, windy, rainy day. So we, we get to the bridge, and he wants to go and, and kind of uh, take some shots of the crocs that are around there, the bridge area, Boca Pila, so while he goes off, I I, I set him up pretty good. I, I got the Duke out, and unbeknownst to him, I had – and, and uh, uh, Dave will have to send uh, you, Alex, the photo. I don't know if you did already, but – Dude, I fucking sent it. The, the
2: five seconds after so you sent it to me, I get the
0: Duke out, and I he's on the other side of the bridge. There's no idea, and he comes walking back, and I'm standing there in the Duke with the rod above my hand, like yeah, let's party. And he's just like no fucking way, bro. <laughs> so I, I totally surprised him <laughs> with that, and he took uh, a couple of shots. And then oh three, my god. We went back to the car, got our gear on, and we go out and set up, and it just starts to hammer us with rain. So we sat the first hour and a half. We sat in just an absolute hammering, pounding rainstorm, and we just sat there in our rain gear and drank beer, and then it cleared. And, it, you know, right after a rainstorm out in the surf, sometimes it will kind of calm down. Oh, it's so
2: peaceful after a storm. And we went out to the
0: bank, which was probably about mm, 250 yards offshore, and it's a big half moon bank. And we went out there, and I was—I'm usually pretty dialed in down there, and the, the 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 jacks will come running into that surf to then feed on the backside of that bank where the trough is. Because there's usually a trough behind the main, you know, the first breaker sand bank and the dynamics of the waves breaking over, it creates this little trough back there. And I call it the superhighway. And we just started to hammer big, big jacks. And it,
1: it was, was so and rad. he's oh a true
0: professional. He got some unbelievable shots of me, and I got so tired. I think after about six or seven, you know, in that fifteen to twenty-five pound range, I was fried. I mean, I yeah. So yeah, this, I handed uh, the rod to him and he proceeded to land yeah, three or four or five more fish. And I had the camera in hand and I started snapping photos of him. And it was just one of those days where, I, and, and, and you know this, I mean, a, a professional photographer, they travel all over the world, take millions of shots over days and days to get a couple And these were two back-to-back days, totally different conditions, and they were – it was awesome.
2: That's so epic, man. That's – dude, Rhett, do you remember? So that had to be the article that ran in Drake Mag. I hit you up right after I had gotten that – because I've been a Drake subscriber for for a year. Probably the last seven or eight years I've been a Drake subscriber – do you remember, Rhett? I sent you a message. I'm like, "Dude, I really like the article in Drake where you're holding that Jack Rebel. The picture yeah. is you holding a yeah, big Jack Rebel." Do you remember that? Yeah. I totally was like, "Dude, that's fucking re-. I just I, I thought it was so cool." <laughs> because I I got to say what I, something I's something I can totally attest to is the fact that I hit you up before I knew anything about the Yucatan because I was going down there with my wife and I, I knew nothing about right. that geographic area and fly fishing there. And you were so forthcoming with information. You were so so selfless and like so altruistic about everything. You were just like, Hey man, yeah, I'll talk to you. I'll be happy to help you. Let me hear, let me steer you along the right side. You were just I remember you being like, yeah, you know, bring 15 pound for the bonefish and bring some 30 pound shock in case some fucking crevel come. So I went down there just based on what you told me. But I mean, again, you were so forthcoming with the information. And, you know, when it comes to guiding, like, I I understand it's a a business and, and that kind of varies, you know, they don't want to give you all the information up front, because that's how they make a living. Like, I totally get that. But but with you, I just remember from the get-go, as long as I've known you, you've always been just so personable and just so willing to help cool. in any way you can. And that's something I totally, I, I think is totally cool and I totally respect about you. And, dude, those crev- <laughs> those jacks are gnarly, man. Like, Alex, I remember when we were down there, holy shit. Like, Alex, I told him to bring a seven. He said, fuck off, I'm going to bring an eight. And then you got into that 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 jack that you ended up putting at your feet and we were just fully blown away. And then I remember we fished a little bit longer and I just happened to look in my peripheral down the, down the beach and I saw a little wolf pack of like four or five fish coming. And in the time it took me to turn my head to the left and tell Alex, hey man, there's some fucking jacks coming down the beach. One had beelined to my shrimp pattern, which was probably 30, 35 feet out in front of me, ate it, and before I even realized what was happening, like, yeah. I was dumped into my backing. Like, those fish are so voracious. They're so yeah. just uber predator, you know, and, like, catching them is just such an incredible experience, and that, I just totally that, – Well, that that's, that's super that cool,
0: thing. and so, I and I appreciate that. And I'm so glad you had that experience, And and the one yeah. – Really great thing about Boca Paila, in particular, in particular, that place, it's a false river mouth in the sense it's not a real river. It's just draining and filling all those flats lagoons that are filled by giant cenotes back there. And so they're pumping out millions of gallons of fresh water. So it's a brackish water situation. And that water comes out of that cut. And if, and if we get a lot of rain, it's, it's just multiplies the amount of water, and it can build this big, big bank out there. And I tell you what, as much as I would love to go to the Seychelles and everybody wants to go to a place like that or, or, or Christmas Island or whatever and, and fish for big mm-hmm. GTs wait, waiting for them, Without spending all that money, you could come down here and spend a lot less and go to that place or a couple other places along here and be in a situation where you are casting, side casting to these big Jack Ravel coming in over the reef or over the sandbar and hammering your fly. And it's it's, it's thick. <laughs> That's sick,
1: yeah. That's a that's a unreal dude. That's awesome. Those fish are yeah.
2: unreal, dude. They're yeah, they're dude. F- fuck. I mean, I didn't even mind dump me. There was one buoy like 150 yards offshore. He went straight for <laughs> it, swam around it, sawed me off. But yeah, like that that experience was so rad. I honestly didn't even care. Just just hooking that fish was it was just total yeah. you know adrenaline. It yeah. was awesome. It's, it was uh, it was super super awesome. Yeah. So. That's, what uh? What that's what cool beers? Out. What what beers do you? I mean, gravitate. I mean, well, you want like a Ticcate light
0: kind of guy. Well, right? I'm when I'm that's when Ticcate I'm fishing red. with Cutting my red, clients, dude. I always I always ask, hey, do you want to have some beers? And certainly, if they say yes, I I bring I bring some beers down. And the first thing we do while we're we're watching the 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 sunrise and and rigging up is to have an abb. Hello. An A. Yeah, no, two, you're, we're here. Yeah,
1: that's, <laughs> yeah. we're reaching that point at the
2: podcast where fucking so everyone's tickled. Yeah. and it's yeah. like, wait, where am I? Wait, what, what was I talking about?
0: <laughs> the acronym is Adult so Breakfast give us a, what Beverage. Is it? What is it? would you like an ABB? And everybody's a like, what the fuck a are a you minute. talking about? Some... Yeah. And then, Mike, we just were. Yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, while we're tying up and rigging up, you have, you're drinking. So picture this, we're out on the, beach. I bring some beach chairs and an umbrella in case it's really hot and sunny and you want to break. So we make camp and, we're rigging up, and I get you your ABB, and then we start looking at flies. And I don't know if you heard this before. You might have heard it through the grapevine, but I, I, now, now, I know you're going to publish this, so the secret's going to be out, but I tie a lot of my flies with the pubic hair of a virgin. oh shit so that's yeah and uh so just you know interesting keep that on the low down as far as your significant others are concerned because (laughs) it might get you in trouble if you start looking for those kind of materials A little harder to come by. Yeah. And as I'm yeah, talking about so. this, my wonderful oh, Haley that's, that's just so handed me a beer and was chuckling to herself as uh, to my, my last uh, uh, ad- admission of fly tying materials. There go. Dude, I,
2: yeah, you know, last time I talked to you, Red, I think you actually – you referred to your fly tying room as like fly tying slash masturbatory. Yeah. Like you fucking, you, it, you pound it in there <laughs> looking at those pictures of fish. I don't know what else you have in there, but that's, uh, that's funny.
0: Yeah, no.
1: well,
0: well, me not you know, you after what's room. going on around here, uh, <laughs> it's, it's very hygienic now. Yeah. Well, not only that, dude,
2: but also, I mean, I I'm so. kind of pounding it, looking at the pictures <laughs> in my fly tying room, because I can't go fishing. So being, you know what I mean? Like, forget anything. You know, yeah, it's, it it is funny to kind of look at the pictures of, of fish and remember the good times. And I don't know, maybe... <laughs> pull it out, give it a tug. I haven't done that yet, but I'm not ruling it out. We'll see how this thing unfolds, how long, how long it goes on. <laughs>
1: yeah, see, yeah. We're, we're, yeah, we're still in it. Oh my god, that's fucking dude, hilarious. Me- Mexican dude. beers hilarious.
2: are so transcendent, and that's why I asked you what kind of beers you, you drink, because you know, growing up in Southern California, I mean, you know, Baja is right there, and I've had quite a few trips down to you know, uh, you know, fuck Mulhuy right. and Collinet and San Quintin, and you know, right. done this stuff on you know, taking these fishing trips, and um, so it's funny because like you drink that, you know, that that Mexican pilsner lager, and it just it just takes you right back to those memories of being on those trips or fucking you know whatever, like yeah. fuck even Ensenada Papas and beer. I mean, you know, when I was eighteen or nineteen, just yeah. getting super annihilated. Dude, that's fu- – so that's – dude, that's the fucking – that's the story I was going to tell you, Rhett, was my Papas and beer story. And I'll just – dude, fuck. I'm just going to tell it right now. So I was at – dude, I was at Papas and no, Oh So like you're 19, saying 18, what in beer? Old, Papas? Super pickled. Papas beer, so ow, like ow, 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 ow. and beer. Oh, oh, oh. and Or whatever the hell you – what was that place? You, it's the same kind of deal. But it's not like really a restaurant. It's like a it's like a it's like a bar in Ensenada where, you know, once you're 18, you can drink in Mexico. So all the people go across the border from San Diego down there and just get, you know, totally shit canned. And I was one of those people on this particular night that we're talking about. And there's so you get to Papa's and beer. And it's cool. It's, like, all outdoorsy, whatever. There's hundreds of people there. I think it was spring break or something like that. (laughs) And um, there's a a mechanical bull. And so there's this chick that really wants to get on the mechanical bull. And she is, I mean, she's (laughs) trashed. Like, okay, let me draw a picture for you. She's probably... Four foot ten and pushing two bills. So she's (laughs) rotund. She's a big girl. But she's like, fuck it. Like, this is my night. I'm having fun. So she goes out to the mechanical bull. And it takes her three or four attempts to get on the mechanical bull. And so... At Papa's and Beer, there's, like, a guy controlling the mechanical bull, and he can make the mechanical bull do whatever he wants. So this girl is wearing a skirt, and so you have this big girl. She's on the bull, and she's having the time of her life, you know, totally drunk. (laughs) So the guy controlling the bull – okay, there's probably 250 (laughs) people watching this big girl – Big short girl riding this mechanical bull. So the guy on the controls basically gets this mechanical bull to endo to the point where like her ass is totally up in the air and she's totally off balance. So at some point it it reaches it reaches the point where her skirt comes flying up over her fucking head. I guess it wasn't maybe her back, not her head, because it was a skirt, not a dress. And so you have this... She was wearing... So she was wearing a thong, Rhett. So you have this this little, thin, (laughs) minuscule piece of fabric being fucking devoured by this giant, cheesy, white ass. (laughs) And there's 250... And dude, then... The, the kicker was the copious <laughs> amounts of fucking butt hair. Like, this chick had the hairiest ass.
1: Oh and, dude, God. everybody's
2: watching. And there's music playing. And just the reaction. Everybody was like, oh, my God. Like, it was. You almost felt bad for her. But at the same time, she kind of put herself in that predicament. But I'll just never. Dude, I've never. If like, you see shit like that, you can't unsee it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's with you. It's it's seared into my brain. So actually, and I never then wanted to forget. Are you so
1: saying well, the Duke it's seared, was kind of seared into everybody's brain?
2: No way, dude. The Duke, honestly, I've okay. seen that. Duke was <laughs> yeah. a piece of cake. Yeah, that was a walk in the park. That, that, so that's that
0: that what that I meant. You know, I mean, I'm. But
2: uh... yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. Well, no. The, dude, the bar has been set so high that there's nothing that at that point that could even <laughs> phase me i feel like you know it was bad dude it was, it was it was bad but also good i mean it made for the story and being that it was you know had to do with a thong i wanted to share well that with
0: you, so i've got a great idea for a halloween costume you guys are going to love this i haven't i haven't pulled it off but i've been so tempted all right bring it on and you know we all have you know a gazillion you know a million years of fly tying shit and i I know I do I mean I've got just all sorts of stuff. I think a killer costume would be to dress up as a Merkin salesman, and you have a black you know what a Merkin is, right. <laughs> <laughs> You, you you take a trench coat, you get some dark glass Here trench coat, and on the inside yeah. of the trench coat, you bobby pin a whole bunch of different bucktails. You know, the pink, the blue, the green, the white, the red, the black, and you go to, hopefully, if it yeah. were a fly fishing Halloween party, more people would probably get it, but at the and, and a true Merkin, uh most a lot of people don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah. But you go around and you flash your Merkins for sale and you have pricing in there. Wouldn't that be awesome? Do that. Now, now you're both laughing. Do you really yeah. know what a no, Merkin because. is?
1: <laughs> I know what a surf
2: surfing Merkin is, not right? We do. But, it's uh well, the the
1: Merkin no, is an uh, no. uh, artistic landscape in the nether region, correct?
2: Dude, that was amazing. Dude, you, you said that. was No, totally no, we're, no, we're no,
1: no
0: you I young pups. I thought I knew exactly what I a was
1: talking
0: about. Merkin is the official name for a pubic oh, wig. Oh, God, it works way off. And it, it came about in the Victorian oh, age in England when oh. everybody was... Eating arsenic for a variety of different ailments, and when you eat arsenic, your hair typically falls out, and your pubic region and other regions. So the women who were eating arsenic for whatever fucking reason were losing their pubic hair, and they didn't want to be embarrassed by that, so they would go get a pubic wig, on, and that. Murders, dude. Oh <laughs> this, is a,
2: this is a real thing. This is a, it's, fucking real, it, thing, <laughs> it's a happen, real thing,
0: dude. <laughs> I should have known. Know, if this, this isn't one of your most right, popular like, podcasts, like, <laughs> I would be surprised. <laughs>
2: we're, we're definitely breaking new ground. There's no question
0: about
1: that. it's gone off the rails for sure oh yeah
2: that drinking it catches up with you
1: (laughs) oh my god that is the best well hey so Rhett, we're gonna post Uh, we we (laughs) gotta wrap
2: this up pretty quick but we got we're gonna post all your contact and so that if somebody wants to come fishing and stay at one of the villas yeah you know they know how to get a hold of you
0: yeah cool
2: yeah
1: Give us your, give us your. Uh, okay, your well, content. one of the but best places
0: to get a hold there, of me is uh, so uh, www.mexicoflyfishing.com. No, com. That's a website I own. Um, you can go to that on Facebook, uh, Akamal Fly Fishing. You can type in akamalflyfishing.com, dot com, TulumFlyFishing dot com, com. Uh, that's a great way to get a hold of me. Facebook, Ret. Rhett Schober is a great way to get a hold of me, Um, you know, and it it doesn't matter if you're just coming down and you want to do a little bit of DIY, let me know. I'll I'll give you some, some ideas. Uh, There's so many great places other than where I fish all around the Yucatan, you know, the whole, the whole Northern coast of the Yucatan has great tarpon fishing uh, I'll plug a book that I co-wrote with Nick Denbo and Rod Hamilton a few years ago, which. Fuck. Yeah, that's that's fly fishing get in into that. we talk about that. It's Fuck. on Amazon. Yeah, um, and uh, I'll Episode plug Nick two. Denbo. Nick's another guy you got to have on this podcast. He co-authored the book with me. He's an amazing guide, funny guy. Um, he's got. Yeah, he's he's from Winchester, England. Guy, he's, right? he's just uh, one of my favorite people. Um he does more south of where I am in Mahawalish Galak area. Fantastic guide. He's another one you guys got to contact and and get on the, uh, on the podcast. Uh, you'll hear all sorts of great stories from him. Um but yeah, yeah, get in touch with me. Happy to share what Very I know good. and where to go yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I, I, this next season, I will actually have thongs for rent. So you know, oh, I'm bringing Sometimes, depending <laughs> on, they take up a little too much. You know, it's like fly, <laughs> yeah, thong, right. fly, song, So. You know, if you're a little tight for luggage, you know, let me know, and I'd be happy to accommodate. Yeah. Those yeah. songs take up a Fantastic.
2: ton of space when you're That's fucking trying to, to pack
1: for trips. <laughs> they, they do. Yeah. <laughs> well, Rhett, dude, I, I'm i so pumped that we had you on, dude. Just Thank great energy God. stories. Like the best energy. You know, just like just yeah everything you're the sure. epitome
2: of like serotonin <laughs> and just everything fucking happy it's
1: it's refreshing it's it's refreshing it's very refreshing actually. all right yeah, i think i had i had more beers on this one than i had before so like, yeah, yeah keep it going dude Thanks, this is great nice it was a pleasure
0: we hope you enjoyed this episode of bff Tune in next time for more stories, laughs, and beer-fueled banter. Cheers!